Good morning, everybody. Again, happy Mother's Day. If you join us online, we're so glad that you're here. Um, one, I want to start off by saying big thanks to Justin Anderson filling in last week. He did a great job. Uh, I had a wedding that I got to officiate in the Metroplex. It was two of my students that like, went through high school dating, went through college dating. It was a great, great time. And then Sunday morning, my family and I got up and we went to church and I had no responsibilities and it was awesome. <laughs> and so we got to worship. It was a really good time. There were a couple things that stood out. One, their kid system went down while we were trying to check Andy, and this is a pretty big church in the Metroplex. And I was like, good, it's not just us. And then the pastor got up and started talking about Roman stuff, and I was like, and it's not just South Point that has to hear that. So it was a good time. I'm excited. One weekend off does a lot for me. If this message isn't that good, it is our children's minister's fault. This is my, like, official teaching folder. Like, I buy moleskins, and it's what I do. It's color-coordinated, all that fun stuff. I accidentally left it out since I was gone. And so at the bottom, it now says, Jesus loves the Bears. <laughs> She's a Baylor fan. I'm not. Wrote her up. We'll see what to do. So this morning, we are going to continue. We have spent all of 2021 just walking through one book. We started Nehemiah in January. We've spent weeks and weeks, months and months, kind of looking at this huge epic story from the Bible of a people coming in and they built this massive wall around Jerusalem to defend it. And then there's kind of a shift in the book and the people begin to awaken themselves to the fact that God is stirring in their lives and he's providing for them. And so they begin to cry out and worship him. And the last time I was up here, we started reading through a prayer. It's the longest prayer in the Old Testament. We said it takes about six and a half minutes to read it in entirety. And really, it's just praying this story of God and his chosen people. And a couple weeks ago, we saw that God had called Abram out of his land and, and took him off. And then we saw that God raised up Moses when the Israelites had been enslaved. And he called them out of Egypt and he led them and he did these miraculous, miraculous works. And then today, we're going to continue to see how this story of God and his people plays out. And it's going to be kind of sand, which we're going to have some good, going to have some things to talk about. We're going to end it on a good note. And so let's get started this morning. Nehemiah chapter 9. Actually, before I get to that, well, I got ahead of myself. I've read it a couple times before, but there's a poem that I think will really kind of set us in the direction that we're going to go with what we're talking about today. It says, chapter 1, I walk down the street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I fall in. I'm lost. I'm helpless. It isn't my fault. It takes forever to find my way out. Chapter 2, I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I pretend I don't see it. I fall in again. I can't believe I'm in the same place, but it isn't my fault. It still takes a long time to get out. Chapter 3, I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I see it's there. I still fall in. It's a habit. But my eyes are open. I know where I am. It's my fault. I get out immediately. Chapter 4, I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I walk around it. Chapter 5, I walk down a different street. What we're going to find today is this prayer continues on. You're going to find that we're going to talk about a crazy cycle a little bit. And it can be one that we can fall into where we just fall into the same hole over and over and over again. We know the thing that gets us. We know the thing that we struggle with. We know the thing that can set us off and push us away from God, not lead us towards him. And we walk down that street and we fall in that hole. And it's going to take some acknowledgement that, hey, you know what? I'm the one walking. Why do I keep falling in this? And then maybe one day getting to a point where we go, you know what? 
I'm going to walk down a different street. Because you're going to see that play out in the lives of an entire nation. And so Nehemiah chapter 9, we're going to start in verse 22. And again, this is just a prayer that priests are praying over these people at a festival. It said, And you gave them kingdoms and peoples and allotted to them every corner. So they took possession of the land of Shinnon, king of Heshbon, and the land of Og, king of Bashan. And you multiplied their children as the stars of heaven, and you brought them into the land that you told their fathers to enter and possess. So the descendants went in and possessed the land, and they subdued before them the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites, and the people of the land, and, uh, that they might do with them as they would. And they captured fortified cities and rich land and took possessions of houses full of good things, cisterns already hewn, vineyards, olive orchards, and fruit trees in abundance. So they ate and were filled and became fat and delighted themselves in your great goodness. As this prayer continues, it's really just telling the story of God and his people. And we've seen some of the things, but as he goes on, he, he talked about last time a little bit of there was a moment where the Israelites had been led out of Egypt. They got to the Red Sea. God opened it up. They marched through. He destroys the most powerful nation in the world at the time. And they get to the edge of the promised land, this land that they say is flowing with milk and honey. We'd say like Dr. Pepper and chicken fried steak today. And they get to it, and they send some spies in. Go and tell us what this place is like. And the spies kind of creep into the land, and they come back, and they're like, it is amazing. It's beautiful. It's got food for generations. It's got places for us to build cities and have families. But there are some tall people. There are some giants, and I don't know if we can deal with that, which is amazing to me. Like, you just watched God part an entire you know, sea, a large body of water, and destroy an army. But tall people, come on. Now, we don't know if they were actual giant giants or just tall people because Israelites at the time, like, I'd have been a big guy to them. I'm not a big guy. So these people could have just been like six and a half foot tall, and they just thought they were giants. But they came back and they said, we, we want that land, and we know that God's calling us to it, but big people. Um, and God said, okay, well, you're going to have to wander through a wilderness for the next 40 years until all that generation's gone. And here's the funny thing. Don't think that they were out like wandering something the size of the United States. It was a small area that they just aimlessly walked in circles in for 40 years. I think God just took like a sand dune and moved it over and went, <laughs> that'll get them. And so they walk around. That generation finally passes away. They find themselves back in that spot. And God goes, are you ready to enter the promised land now? Yes. No more of the desert. Milk and honey will take, you know, all of it. And so they begin to go in, and it says he gave them kingdoms. And some of this story is them going into the promised land, and one of the first things they find is this massive fortified city called Jericho. Huge walls, people that have been living there for a long time. And you have to remember, the Israelites are literally just coming out of slavery. It's not like they have siege weapons. It's not like they have a lot of experience in warfare and things like that. And they get to this wall, and they, they're not as equipped as the people of Jericho, and the people of Jericho were looking out like, who's the new neighbors? Like, they're not going to do anything to us. But they had God on their side, and God called the people to walk around the city once a day in silence. And to the defenders on this wall, this must have looked like absolute insanity. What are they doing? Why are they all just walking in a circle? And then they did it the next day. Why do they keep coming back? It's day two. It was day three, four, five, six. And on the seventh day, God called them to walk around it seven times. 
And so I imagine the people of Jericho, it probably became like the, the normal daily entertainment. Hey, the, the mall walkers are back. Come out and check them out. And so they stood up on this wall and they watched the people and they're like, all right, they're about to be done. They'll go back. Oh, they're making another lap. Oh, they're going to make another one. And then on the seventh one, they stopped and all the people cried out in a huge voice. And they blew trumpets. And again, I think those defenders looked out and thought, they have lost it. And then the walls began to shake. And then the walls crumbled and just fell down. And the Israelites made their way in, took the city. God gave them these kingdoms because it was theirs originally. And then it said, you know, it gave even more of that. There was a time where they had to fight these people known as the Amorites. And one of the Amorite kings was at least smart enough to go, hey, I read the report where that, their God knocked down city walls. Um, let's get a truce of about five of us together and we should be able to take them. And so they have this massive battle and there's a moment where they need more time to fight to rout these armies of these Amorite kings. And so God being God, scripture says that the sun stopped moving in the sky. Do I believe in supernatural things? Yes, because my God's the one who made all of that. My God is the one that looks out across the entire universe at every molecule in existence and goes, mine. And because he's God, we know it's 2021. We know that the sun doesn't revolve around the earth. The earth revolves around the sun. So what God did in that moment was he took planet earth and he stopped it from moving. Now, God's God, because if that were to happen right now, we would all learn a physics lesson. Everybody. We would go flying east at about 1,100 miles an hour um, because that's how fast the earth is turning. God literally looked out, and there it's a big planet, all right? Like, if that happened, everyone would be dead. Like, oceans would create tidal waves that would cover a continent. But God looked out at every molecule and said, you know what's going to bring me glory? You taking a break for a second. And the earth just stops moving. And the people rout these armies, and they take more of the promised land over and over and over again. God is providing for them. And think about how he's still providing for us today. Think of all the things that we've been blessed with. I mean, we, we drove here. We have lights. We have AC. Praise God. It was humid this morning. Like God has blessed us immensely. Do we remember that it comes from him? Or do we kind of inject ourselves in and go, well, look what I've created for myself. Look what I've done for myself. Look how successful I am. And we forget that, no, God is the one that is providing for us today. We know that in Scripture it says that God prepares good works ahead of us in time. What good works has he provided for us this week? Like when you go to work this week, what's a place, what's an area, what's a person where you could have an impact to point them towards a beautiful, and gracious, loving God? When we go home this week and we're spending time with our kids, what good things has he already prepared to where we can have those moments of blessing a child and encouraging them and raising them up? I don't know what spurred it the other day. I was walking through the living room, and Andy just started singing a song that they sing at his Bible school. And I stopped, and I just went and sat down with him. I said, hey, tell me about that. Sing that song again. And he was singing these little verses, and I was like, okay, here's a good moment. And I started talking, hey, do you know what that means? And we talk about it a little bit, talk about it a little bit. And then he wanted to go play with dinosaurs. And that was okay, because that was just planting seeds that we're going to continue to water and watch grow one day. But God is providing for us over and over and over again. Like, I love how this ends. It kind of sounds weird, but it's actually a good thing. It says, so they ate 
and were filled and became fat and delighted themselves in your great goodness. See, God provides so that we can prosper through him. Now hear this, this isn't like prosperity type gospel thing, but somebody once told me, like I was sitting in a message and they said, God's not really concerned with your happiness. And I went, I, I read the Bible, I think he actually is. I know it's Mother's Day, but in Scripture we see God being compared to a good father, a good father who gives good gifts. He says, hey, if, if, if you as an earthly father know how to good, give good gifts and not like give your kid a scorpion, it's a really funny verse, but imagine how good God is when he gives. He gave to these people abundantly, so much so that it says, man, they saw that it was coming from him, and they saw they were in a good place, and they grew fat in a good way because they knew it came from him. He provides for us so that we prosper through him. The thing is, we always have to remember where it's coming from. Where is that blessing coming from? Not myself. It's coming from God. When I look around at my life and I see all the blessings and things that I have, where does that come from? It comes from God. And right now, these people in this prayer, this is a good part. I want to stop here. Like, I want to quit preaching and go, let's live in this because this is a good place to be. You find people being blessed, you find people growing and loving, and they understand all of it is coming from God to us. But i got to keep preaching, so here we go. Nehemiah 9, look at verse 26. That's not a good word. Nevertheless, they were disobedient, and they rebelled against you, and cast your law behind them, and killed your prophets who had warned them in order to turn them back to you. And they committed great blasphemies. Therefore you gave them into the hand of their enemies who made them suffer. And in the time of their suffering, they cried out to you and you heard them from heaven. And according to your great mercies, you gave them saviors who saved them from the hand of their enemies. But after they had rest, (coughs) not good, after they had rest, they did evil again before you and abandoned them to the hands of their enemies so that they had dominion over them. Yet when they turned and cried out to you, you heard from heaven, and many times you delivered them according to your mercies. And you warned them in order to turn them back to your law, yet they acted presumptuously and did not obey your commandments, but sinned against your rules, which if a person does them, he shall live by them. And they turned a stubborn shoulder and stiffened their necks and would not obey. Many years you bore with them and wanted them uh, and warned them by your spirit through your prophets, yet they would not give ear. Therefore you gave them to the hand of the peoples of the land. Nevertheless, in your great mercies, you did not make an end of them or forsake them, for you are a gracious, merciful God. It is not hard to get on a crazy cycle. I kind of borrowed this from a book called Love and Respect. If you've ever walked through that, you're familiar with what they call the crazy cycle, where this is from, a, in that book, it's from a relational standpoint where one person in the relationship, they do something, and it kind of gets and undermines and gets under the skin of the other person, and they, they retaliate and respond in a way that may not be the most healthy, which leads to another person then doing something else, and then this person does this, and it's just this crazy cycle of you annoying your spouse. <laughs> and you've got to figure out how to get off of it, but when we look at our lives, we can get onto a sin cycle, if we're not careful, pretty easily. These people had it all. God had provided the land for them. He provided food for them. He provided the blessing of their children, all of these things. And yet, they looked and said, I'm going to make the conscious choice. I know what's good, just like we do today. 
and I'm going to choose to do this. And so here's how this cycle starts. First, it starts with people. The people rebelled. They pushed back in disobedience. They knew what God had called them to. They knew the things that God said, hey, I want you to avoid this because I know it's going to lead to pain in your life. I want you to avoid this because I want you to understand I am so much greater than anything that you will create and make an idol. And they knew that, and then they pushed back in disobedience. They knew what was right, and they made the conscious decision to do what was wrong. And then they wanted no accountability. It gets pretty graphic. It says they killed the prophets. And you read through the Old Testament, you find these moments where the people knew, hey, what I'm doing right now is wrong. And a prophet would come to him, and he'd come to him in love, and he would proclaim a true message. Like in the Old Testament, prophets, if it was a true God prophet, they never got anything wrong. If you got one wrong, that was a death sentence. And so these people would come in boldness knowing that God has called them to bring a message to the people. And they came and said, hey, what you're doing right now, it's dishonoring to God. It's, it's flying in the face of his holiness, and it's, it's not right. But if you will turn, God is good, and he is gracious every single time. And they would bring this message, and the people would hear it, but they didn't want accountability. There's so many times in our own lives, somebody will come to us and say, and if they, especially if they do it in love, hey, what you're doing, man, it's, it's going to wreck your life. It's going to wreck your marriage. It's going to wreck your home. And so many times we turn a blind ear and go, I don't want to... I don't want that accountability. I don't want to hear it. And so these Israelites, probably out of conviction of going, you know what? That guy is right, but I don't like this. And I don't like conviction, so I'm going to stop the voice. And so they killed the prophets that God had sent. These people literally gave their lives trying to bring people back to God. And so the cycle continues. They took their eyes off God. And they just became content. <clears throat> they looked around at all the good that they had. And they looked and said, hey, we've been getting fat off all this stuff, but you know what? I really made that happen. I'm the one who grew these crops. I'm the one who built this house. I'm the one who's leading my family. And they kind of took their eyes off God, and they just kind of became content and said, you know what? I think I can do this on my own. That's a terrible place to be in. <laughs> and so now they've rebelled. Now they're walking in sin. And now God steps into it. So God sends a wake-up call. It's what we call punishment. There's consequences for the Israelites during this time, when they strayed and they walked away from God, God would just let one of these other people groups rise up and overtake them. And these people would enslave them because they needed to understand there is a price for our sin. Scripture says the wages of sin is death. I'm unbelievably thankful. It also says that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. But there are consequences for what we do. We were coming back from a baseball clinic yesterday and passed by the jail and Logan started asking a lot of questions about jail time, so um, got, a, got kind of worried and like, bud, do we need to talk? You're nine. What, what's going on here? But he was just curious. He's like, well, you've gotten a ticket before. Like, did you have to go to jail? I'm like, no, they, they usually don't send you to jail for inspection stickers and things like that. But we started talking about, hey, if you do certain crimes, you will go and spend time in jail. If you do bigger crimes, you will spend time in prison. And he understood that, yes, there are consequences for the things that we do. And the Israelites had to learn consequences. And so now they find themselves being overtaken by a people. And what do they do? They cry out for forgiveness. They realize the error of their way. They see, hey, I am here. Like, they're the chapter three. I'm in the hole right now, and it's my fault. I can't blame someone else. My disobedience has led me to this point. And now I'm going to cry out to God. 
And this nation begins to cry out to who he is. God, save us, forgive us, restore us. And God reaches down to these people and lovingly picks them back up, frees them from oppression, reminds them that he is greater. And then the people repeat it all over again. The story is a cycle going over and over and over. The people rebelling, the people being punished, people crying out to God, God loving and forgiving and restoring. And they raise themselves, or God raises them back up and puts them in a the right place. They live a little bit, and then they go, you know what? We're going to rebel again. And this process continues over and over and over again. There's a couple of constants that happen in this. One, people are sinful. Left to ourselves, we are a sinful people. But the best constant in this, at no point is God never there. He's always faithful. He always hears the cries of his people. And he is loving and gracious beyond anything that we can comprehend. But right now, these people find themselves just in this cycle. And it's happened for generations, for generations, for generations. So much so that this group of people that are praying and hearing this prayer right now, they know we've been on that cycle That's what led us to be taken over by all of these Assyrians and all these other people all these years. That's what had us taken out of our city of Jerusalem. Our disobedience is what knocked these walls down. It wasn't the people, it was us. And they realized that we are on the cycle and we have got to break the cycle. And so let's finish this up. Look in verse 32. Now we get back to the good stuff. It says, now therefore, our God, the great and mighty, the awesome God who keeps covenants and steadfast love. I love that they are just saying, God is so much greater than anything else. Let's call him awesome. Let's remind ourselves that he is above us. Our awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love. Let not all the hardship seem little to you that has come upon us. Upon our kings, our princes, our priests, our prophets, our fathers, and all your people since the time of the kings of Assyria until this day. I love verse 33. Yet you have been righteous in all that has come upon us, for you have never, uh, for you have dealt faithfully, and we have acted wickedly. Our kings, our princes, our priests, our fathers have not kept your law or paid attention to your commandments and your warnings that you gave them, even in their own kingdom and amid your great goodness that you gave them, and in the large and rich land that you set before them. They did not serve you or turn from their wicked works. Behold, we are slaves this day. In the land that you gave our fathers to enjoy its fruits and its good gifts, behold, we are slaves. And its rich yield goes to the kings who you have set over us because of our sin. They rule over our bodies and over all of our livestock as they please, and we are in great distress. Then verse 38 says, Because of all this, we make a firm covenant in writing. On the sealed document are the names of our princes, our Levites, and our priests. As we've walked through this story, some of it's really cool to watch and go, man, God raised up these leaders and they built this amazing wall. We're talking two miles of wall in like 52 days. Absolute marvel. But I love that there's a shift in this. It's not just about building stuff. We did some more work this week on the church. We got our new sign up. We got the Narnia lampposts are gone now. (laughs) How will we ever get back? (laughs) It's not about that. I mean, it's about changed lives. It's about having conversations with kids this week about getting baptized. 
And God began to do this spiritual awakening in his people as he brought them back to Jerusalem. Some of them, for the first time, began to hear God's word read. Remember, they had been enslaved. And so there's a moment where they read the Bible several times for hours and hours and hours at a time, and people are translating it to make sure people can understand it, and people are expounding on it so people understand it deeply, and the people fall in love with it. And they're convicted. And they see, man, we have been on this cycle, and I don't want to be on that anymore. I want the first cycle. I want the one where God's pouring down all the blessings, all the generosity onto these people, but they're reflecting it back in worship and glory to him because they know it comes from him. We want that cycle. And so there's this moment where there's this shift in these people, and they understand what real repentance looks like. I love, again, verse 33. It said, you have been righteous in all that has come upon us, for you have dealt faithfully, and we acted wickedly. They just acknowledged their own sin. They acknowledged, hey, it's not you, it's me. The things that I've done in my life, the decisions that I've made that railed against a perfect and holy God are the things that brought me to the crazy cycle. And they own up and say, you know what? We're a sinful people. We're a sinful people that don't want to be that anymore. We want to let go of that. We want to turn away from that. And we want to be a people of the book and a people that follow God. They don't blame God. They acknowledge that he is completely righteous. Even as they found themselves enslaved, they understood God is still perfect and holy and good. And then they make a firm covenant. Now they want accountability. Like before, they had killed all the prophets. We don't want to hear somebody when they come and tell us that, hey, you got to turn some things around because what you're doing is not bringing glory to God. It's actually sinful spiritual rebellion. But now they're ready for that accountability says they made a firm covenant. A covenant is something, if you've been to one of our member classes, we talk through that. It's a very, very important thing in Scripture. It's saying, hey, we are committed to this. We're committed to putting our names on this thing so that week, year, whenever from now, somebody looks and goes, hey, Billy, probably not a lot of Billys in, in the Israelite community, something that ends with, um, you're, you're not really walking. Remember, you put your name on that. I'm going, you know what, you're right. I'm going to let this go. I don't need to be on this cycle. I want to I be following God. They wanted to move past sin and find themselves in right standing with God. And then they wanted to do it together. See, this wasn't just one people coming together to write their names on this covenant that said, hey, we want to be a people that follow God. It was all of them. It wasn't just, you know, leadership like Nehemiah and the people going yeah we want Nehemiah to sign it because he's in leadership if God blesses him there'll be some kind of trickle down we'll be able to benefit it wasn't just the priests and religious leaders hey we want them to be blessed by God because again it'll be a little trickle down this was all the people this was God's chosen people coming together and saying hey we we are ready to be committed to God what would that look like today again not just an individual standpoint but an individual that goes, you know what? I've been on a crazy cycle. And I have done the things that I think will bring me happiness, and they didn't. So I found something different, and it didn't. And so I looped back to this, and I've tried to make myself better. I've listened to podcasts, and I've read books, and I've gone to conferences, and I've tried to eat better and work out, and I can do Pilates forever. It, you just keep going through, just pick your new cycle. 
oh, if I can get this many likes and if my family looks like this and that. I mean, we find a new cycle every single generation and pretty much every week at this point. It's all just a cycle. And when someone finally goes, man, I've tried all of those things and something is still missing inside of me. That's where scripture says that God placed eternity in your heart. The only thing that fills that up is God because he is eternal. For an individual to say, you know what? I don't want that cycle anymore. But the beautiful part is we know more of the story today. Like we know the gospel. We know that Jesus Christ came and lived a sinless life and laid that life down so that you and I could have forgiveness of our disobedience and sin. And it's only through him. It's only through Jesus Christ. And so maybe today as you're hearing all that and you go, man, I've, I've never had that moment of grace and love. I don't know what that looks like. But every time you say, Jesus, something stirs inside, I hope you know that's a spirit moving in you. And then if we take it a little bit further than that, I mean, what would it look like as a church body to all as one say, we want to be committed to God? Here in just a minute, you're going to get to be a part of that. We do child dedication. Like, child dedication, this doesn't impart salvation. It's nothing like that. This is a church and family coming together and saying, hey, we want to walk together to raise your kid to point them towards Jesus Christ. So on those days where you're looking at your kid and you're like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> Looks like Halloween and it's not October. Like, we want to come along and say, hey, you're not the only one because you're not. This morning, Whitney told me one of my kids put a plastic baseball bat in between a couch and love seat and tried to tightrope walk on it and now has a bruise on his face. It's not just you and it's not just me. Like, it takes all of us coming together on this one. But it's us coming together. Like, what is, as a church, we talk so much about unity. What if we said, hey, we want to make sure that we're doing that. We want to make sure that we're reaching out to our neighbors. We want to make sure that we are people grounded in the word of God so that we know truth and we know when lies come against us. Then our nation. Like, this is not being any political thing. But man, what if people said, you know what? It seems like we're a little off. <laughs> it seems like every day I just read about one more negative thing. And what if we could be a part of changing something? What if we could take the gospel out and people began to flock and have an awakening of who God is and how much he loves us? As this prayer ends, you've got this moment of this entire community saying, we are committed to him. It's my prayer that this week we would be a body and we would be a community that says the exact same thing. Let's pray. God, we love you. God, if there's anyone that's here today, whether online or in person, and they just know I've, I've never had a real personal relationship with you. I've been, I've been trying to do it on my own, and the cycle is getting pretty old. If you want to break that cycle, it only comes through Jesus Christ, who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And if you're ready to leave the old behind and step into something new, I would encourage you to pray, God, as best as I know how, I want to come to you through Jesus Christ. I want to make him the Lord of my life and I want to follow him. In that instant, that grace is poured out and what was once dead is made alive in new creation. If that's you this morning, I would encourage you, put that on a connect card. Come, come see me at starting point. We want to celebrate that. And I pray that we would be a people that love the story of God so much that we would tell it and we would share it and we would relish it like these people are.
God, we, may, we never, may we never stop wondering of how big you are. We love you. It's in Christ's name. Amen.